Hello everyone, this is part 2 of the interview with Slava Nabolsi and Noura Zubaydi. In part 1, we covered their childhood experience, uh, reasons for leaving Jordan and immigrate to the United States. We covered also the adaptation process. I recommend you to listen to part 1 before listening to part 2. And in part 2, we are covering the identity topic, their achievements and lessons they want to share with us. Something that I want to address with you, it's a big topic, identity, and we, we've touched it. Uh, you mentioned, uh, Noor, that sometimes when you are facing uh, challenges, um, situations, you try to stick to your values and to what uh, your parents transmit to you. My question for both of you, did you feel that your identity uh, has changed how did you manage, you know, the transition between your home country and when you moved to the United States? Maybe, Slava, you can uh, share what you think about that. Yeah, I would love to. Uh, but I would like to make a comment on uh, both of you guys' uh, statements that you said the, uh, the United States never used to be that way. And I agree with Noor. I had to really tone myself down. And that's when I say that we treat people just like family, you know, we're very open, very approachable. And um, one of the secret of, of the success of my offices is I keep that old school, um, you know, mom and pop kind of vibe to my offices, how we approach, like Noor said, how we approach our patient. I know all the stories about my patient. I became very, very good friends with my patients and they keep coming back because they miss that. And they say that, you know, your approach is very unique it reminds me of my parents, it reminds me of my grandparents. The United States and Europe used to be like us, but it has changed. It has changed even tremendously the past even 20 years, and um, which is unfortunate. So I am fortunate that in the 80s and early 90s, I got to live some of that fading uh, trend of being very open and warm and to strangers. And I talked to people. I mean, I went to school in New York City. I went to NYU Dental School. I was in New York City for five years. I've talked to people on the streets, on buses. And then as I graduated in 1999, as I left the even the city, the city was changed. And the new generation have changed too and their approach and values. So, but to answer your questions, I believe that we are the perfect outer impressions of our inner understanding and our values. And I do believe that all of us, because our circumstances have changed all the time or changing all the time, we change every five years. So mm -hmm. we need to recheck and review and reevaluate our values that we carry on from our traditional home world. Not to get rid of them, but to modify them because our life changes, our responsibility changes. Like, you know, I came here as a single teenager, then I became a dentist, then I became a wife, then I became a business owner. So mm -hmm. you're constantly changing. And, um, you know, our thoughts and our values and our belief, it is definitely the outer mirror, okay, of what's happened around us is the outer mirror of our beliefs and our values. So if there's certain values and certain traditions that don't serve you anymore because you have grown out of it, like for example, no, she's only been here six years. Mm -hmm. She's a dentist now established in the United States and she's a mother. So her status have changed. So she's going to have to recheck 
the values because now she has a different responsibilities. When you leave your home world to a whole new world that you never lived before, you never visited before, you really hold on really tight to the traditional values that you have. And they mm. serve you very, very well. They serve you by protecting yourself, feeling secure, feeling safe, feeling connected to your home. But when your life gets busier and your achievement gets bigger, those sometimes values, you have to modify them. Like Noor said, you just tone them down a little bit. You don't get rid of them because mm-hmm. one of my biggest advice, don't ever, ever forget who you are, who you came from. And don't let anybody tell you that you should not do this because it's not going to work. You should always try everything, whether you're trying to make friends or you're trying to change your diet, trying to change your cuisine, your looks, your, your appearances, expressing yourself. Because if you don't try things, you're not going to learn. If you're not going to learn, you're not going to change. If you're not going to change, you're not going to grow. You're not going to evolve. So yes, stick to your values. There are principal values like the cardinal law of your personality, where you come from, which is fine. Protect that, um, you know, grow it, uh, nurture it, but... Be aware, and that's what I learned the hard way. Be aware every couple of years as your status, your situation changes, give yourself a chance to sit down with these values that served you so well through the years and modify them. And don't be afraid to, don't put a lot of pressure on yourself to pick one or the other. Combine them. Have both. Have Mm -hmm. this and that. Yeah. And that's what makes us so unique is because we have the best of both worlds and we're that hybrid. Like you have a, a new model of an iPhone that does even more because it's been in the past and it's in the present and then you're mixing it up together. So, yeah, I mean, values, like I said, it helps you get over your challenges. It helps you survive and thrive. But remember to recheck them. And, and prioritizing too, because what's important to you five years ago, it's not important to you right now. Mm-hmm. And I speak from experience. Like I said, I'm in this country about 35 years. To sum it up on the internal level, you believe that you should be treated in a certain way, okay, um, because of your parents' beliefs. Now, your parents' beliefs are your beliefs because our parents teach us what they know. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean it's going to match our life that we're leading. Does that make sense? And that's, that's the challenge. That's a lot of pressure on us because that makes us guilty. We feel shameful dropping our values or changing our values. Like, no, that's what my mom taught me. Oh, that's what my dad taught me. But you need to be okay with that, especially if you migrate and you leave home. Otherwise, it's, it's going to be very, very hard to survive. Yeah, you mentioned the very interesting elements, Slava. For me, for example, it was a little bit different because I was born in France and uh, I grew up between, you know, France and Egypt. A lot of people here ask me, okay, do you feel more Egyptian or more French? Basically, I could not answer that question. It's not like black or white. It can be both, as you mentioned. It's a complementary process. I would say that, of course, my parents, they are Egyptian. They transmit to me amazing values that I still, you know, stick to it, like being family-centric, hardworking, education, trying to work hard, be successful, build a great career. 
as well as you know keep that connection with Egypt you know for 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 us for example it's very important that each weekend we gather uh, together as a family we watch uh, an Egyptian movie an Egyptian series and still talking in Arabic this is very important and something that they really transmit to me on the other hand i'm also grateful to to be able to stick also to some western values in the Eastern society and uh, in Egypt, for example, collectivism is very important, you know, the importance of the group. Uh, so your extended family should be proud of you. Sometimes you have to pay attention about what you are saying. This, you know, collective um, importance to have like on the group, let's say uh, I wasn't okay with that. And uh, moving to France, I developed this ability to prioritize my needs and express myself uh, in uh, I don't be afraid to just share my thoughts and my opinion on a specific situation. And also, I, I would say the difference is living in France pushed me to become, let's say, maybe more career-oriented person uh, and not really prioritizing marriage or prioritizing building a family. I'm quite sure that if I uh, had stayed in Egypt, I think my priorities might have changed, you know. So I totally agree with you that depending on where you are in your journey, your age, uh, what you are experiencing, that influences too much your values. And sometimes it might be scary for some people, you know, that, oh no, I have my values. I don't want to change them because changing them means that I will become another person. I agree 100% for you that it is a process and it's not like, let's say, a stagnant uh, situation. Yeah, I mean, uh, real quick, I agree with you 100%. The reason why you're feeling that way because you're still young. Sociologists call um, the collectiveness that you're talking about, it's the traditional tribal connection. It's all over the world, by the way. Mm -hmm. The only thing different between the West and the East, the East, we really were so stubborn (laughs) that we're not letting go of it where the West have actually modified, industrialization came on, capitalism came in, um, you know, um, international trade came in, and that just opened up the West. And the West just said, hey, you know, uh, we don't need these values again. It's not servigance anymore. It's a lot more beneficial for us to change our values. Now, one of the things that goes, so your traditional or your parents' values is like your pacifier. The -hmm. pacifier that a toddler will not let go. It's their comfort zone. It makes them feel safe, makes them feel comfortable. It's reassuring them. But as that toddler grows up, becomes six years old, starts school, you can't carry a pacifier with you. Right? So you got to throw it away. So now you're a big boy or a big girl. You can't do that anymore. So that's exactly the same process, just to put it in perspective. Now, you can't help yourself but to really be responsible for the expectation of that tribal connection that we grew up in. I'm not good enough. What's wrong with me? I'm so awkward. I'm not doing enough. Maybe I don't deserve enough. You know what I'm saying? And those doubt mm-hmm. right in our head constantly because we are checking and rechecking that tribal connection expectations. And one of the things that I used to hear all the time when, when I came to this country, don't bother because it will never work. Don't listen to that. You have to try everything. If it doesn't work, then you have learned. But if mm. you don't let yourself experience that and, and, and create your own teaching experience, 
then you haven't learned anything. And learning our knowing is very important for growing. So if you don't know, and if you didn't learn, because if you didn't experience, how are you going to grow? Now I get it. You have your parents' expectations like, don't do this, don't do that, watch for this, don't trust this. That's fine. Keep that. That's your pacifier. But don't allow those thoughts and value keeping you from experiencing things that you need to experience and rob yourself from knowing and learning. And that's how you become the best version of yourself. Yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I think it also depends on uh, the environment where you grow up. For us, I think for my situation, my parents were quite open, you know. They were open that I uh, choose uh, the, my education path, uh, to choose the job I wanted to do, etc. But I know that maybe other person are not experiencing the same thing. Sometimes you have maybe conservative parents or conservative family that becomes maybe more challenging for you to going outside your comfort zone and starting to say no, starting to say I disagree. It all starts with education. Educate yourself and of course working also on your fear. You yes. simply learn to make anywhere home by by then like whatever like I've been through an experience it enabled me to create a home wherever I am. Mm-hmm. Like my parents and siblings have been there for me like ever since I was born. That was I always knew and that was home for me for the longest time. And the U.S. was like a place I always come to for a visit, like the ultimate vacation. Mm. Yeah. However, moving to the U.S., like more than 5,000 miles plus like a 13-hour plane ride where you, I just packed my entire life in two suitcases was the ultimate leaving home experience. And in my mind, I knew I was doing the right thing. But in my heart, all I could think of was everything and everyone I was leaving behind like you miss everything, your family, mm-hmm. my friends, like even like my favorite shawarma place or knafa place, your, even your very own bed. If I had this conversation a few years ago, I would be tearing up while talking about this. But like going back to those values that my parents instilled in me mm-hmm. allowed me to be able not not only handle the move, but to embrace it and enjoy it, uh, build a new life and the home for me in the U.S., And do you think, Noor, you changed over the six years, your way of thinking, maybe? My values changed, more of my perception of things. Um, Mm -hmm. You start looking at things differently. You modify the lens. Um, You end up doing things pretty much the same way that you used to do, but with a different flavor. You add a few things. You take out a few things. Also, things get lost in translation because what we do and what we used to do back home is a little bit different than things if you do it here. Even though like moving um, to the U.S. meant like I had to go back to school again. Like, for example, my real struggle wasn't like going back to school, studying again dentistry. Even though that was a huge undertaking in itself, my real struggle was like my first aid in the U.S., like the first, the very first day of Eid in the U.S. hit hard. Mm. Um, it was just me and my husband. We had to work at creating a joyous atmosphere that back home would be effortless to create. Um, this reminded me of what I've left behind and how much work I had to do to create a new life and home for myself. In Jordan, like everyone celebrates Ramadan and Eid, so wonderful atmosphere. 
is everywhere and easy to create and enjoy. In the U.S., most people are not even aware of it. So enjoying them and navigating daily life when you're fasting and everyone around you is not requires a considerable amount of effort. Luckily, by now, my husband and I have created our own traditions and choice ambience with a mini community we created that allow us to enjoy it every year. Inshallah, I'll be able to pass it on to my kids and to create even more traditions and memories with them without changing a lot of from my background, but just simply creating home away from home and in the process creating like the proverbial village that one needs. And thinking about like home goes beyond the four walls idea. It started like you have to start thinking of it as a mindset. It is a mindset. It's about the memories that you create, the people, the experiences. Um, you have to grow and move forward without changing much. Just have to keep moving forward. We need to remember everything. Remember the joy, the faces. Embrace what we had and where we have been. You'd think that moving from Jordan would be the hardest thing, but it's not. It's one just has to adapt. One day I might end up moving again from for work or for family. But I know wherever I go, I will be able to find home because I know where I have been. And I cherish the people and the memories and the values that I have. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. And I agree with you. Uh, I remember the first Ramadan in France. It was a t- different story, you know. You are quite alone. You don't have the same vibes, uh, not the same celebrations. But of course, it also makes a difference when you have your family with you. At least you have your family around. How was it for you, uh, Slava? If you can mention to us maybe some examples of struggles um, you faced uh, during this whole journey, more than 30 years in the U.S. Yeah, boy, you're really digging in the past. Uh, first, it was different than uh, I don't have children. So that makes that's a game changer right there. When you have kids, you're responsible for, your, for their upbringing. And you start planning too. And that's one of the um, stages in life that you have to revisit and review your values too, because you got to transfer that power to the child too. And hopefully they will lead. But um, I first, I remember my first Ramadan, I was in school, a case, uh, Western Cleveland, Ohio, and I was in the dorms <laughs> and it was winter time. And snow everywhere, right? Which is so bizarre because, you know, Ramadan back home is so festive. People like, you know, by four o'clock, you know, like everybody's home just waiting for iftar. And then my cousins come and the lasha and the food, it's a huge feast. And then we play, play, play until suhoor, like Noor said, and then we eat suhoor and we're just crash. And then we start school. We have to start school on time, too. But they release us from school early. And then, of course, the last 10 days of Ramadan, we have the holiday. And we go to Mecca and, and we pray the Taraweeh, being so close, being in Jeddah. We, we we used to go to Mecca all the time. I mean, if we get all stressed out or and we just go to Mecca and, and spend time in Haram and you just feel amazing. You feel like you actually went to heaven and came back. So we had a quick uh, connection issue during the recording. We are sorry for that. And now we will continue with Slava, who is sharing her struggles, and more specifically her challenges during Ramadan. First Ramadan. So it was so weird because like Noah said, I'm fasting. Nobody else is fasting around me. And 
and you know what am I gonna eat and it was sad I tell you the truth and actually around that time it was Thanksgiving in the United States and I couldn't go to anybody's house because you know I'm fasting so until this day believe it or not I don't like being home for Thanksgiving I'm always try to travel go somewhere like Florida Orlando or anything because it just brings that sad memory how alone I was I mean I had my brother but we were in the same boat um, you know we just stood and we couldn't go home and everybody was home with their families and we didn't feel like we want to go eat turkey and things because it's Ramadan you know it's our it's our Ramadan and we wanted to feel festive and stuff but we had to yeah I wanted to eat myself I wanted to eat adas and and the tayif and the knafa and after and then binge out after there's nobody to enjoy it with even if we arrange it that way first of all we didn't have the resources because we were students and second of all your support system was completely gone so so that that stays with you it's interesting how that stays with you because of that tribal connection that you had on your home world that you don't have anymore. And that puts a huge impact on your mental health too and emotions because when you're an immigrant, you are so driven to get stuff done. You left everything behind, everything you know, everything you love behind, and you better get it done. And if you don't get it done, that's when the guilt sits in. But at the same time, you have to realize that do not suppress those emotions too much. You know, because when you get my age, middle age, and things slow down and you've done everything you're supposed to do, then those emotions that you've been suppressing all these years because you didn't have time to deal with them, they start to surface. When they start to surface to you, they're unrecognizable. Basically, you're digging out the dead. And this is, and, and you're not the same person. So it's like, why am I feeling this way? Because that's not how I feel. Because I'm not the same person anymore after 35 years. So it's, it's very important. As simple as that experience, having Ramadan, which is supposed to be the holiest of holy holidays, without your family, without your tribe, with no customs, with no even resources, or even possibility of cooking something as close as Shabbat Adas or any sabusa and whatever it is, um, it's interesting how it leaves um, small scars in you, you know, and you build on that. You build your future experiences on that too. Yeah, de definitely. I think uh, sometimes we we don't even uh, recognize or see that what we have experienced in our childhood or growing phase really impact you. So sometimes it doesn't impact you right uh, in the right moment, like now, but it takes years. So yeah, we discussed um, the struggles and the fact uh, to not having your support system with you. Now we will jump to maybe a more positive topic about your achievements and what you want to accomplish next. Slava, you've been in the U.S. for more than 30 years. You have a successful career. What are the achievements you've made and what you want to accomplish next? My achievement, I mean, I achieved what I wanted to achieve and what I came to this country to achieve. So I'm in 
a stage of my life that I would like to bring the awareness to Jordanian women outside of Jordan in their accomplishments. And I'm very passionate about that because my father told me before I left Saudi, he said, no matter how much you achieve and no matter where you are, don't ever forget who you are. And um, since things are slowing down in my life, um, I started to go back to that concept and see how I can help bring the awareness to Jordanian women achievements outside of Jordan. Because when you are in Jordan, it's not easier, but you know, you have your support system, like Noor said, you have your tradition, your family. If you don't feel like, you know, talking or doing something, you can just reach out and go to your aunt's house or your cousin's house. Everybody's listening, everybody's talking. But when you're alone, you don't have that support system. And it's almost you have to create your own tribe. You have to create your own system. Like Noor said, your small circle of, of people that you can exercise the traditions with. Um, so that's why I created the JWE, Jordanian Women Entrepreneur Project, is hoping to raise that awareness of Jordanian women outside of Jordan achievements and their struggles and their stories. And we hope to inspire other women that are planning to leave Jordan inspire them with our journeys, our stories, and also teach them all kinds of lessons. Thank you for presenting uh, JWE project. Um, I'm going to jump to Noor regarding the achievements uh, and the ambitions. Uh, I'm very proud of my professional achievements, whether it's studying dentistry in Jordan and doing my residency in the Royal Medical Services. It's one of the premier medical services in Jordan and in the Middle East or getting my dental degree again in the US, effectively getting like two doctorate degrees. However, when I look at my life so far and what my future aspirations are, uh, which definitely include career advancement, I can't help but think that I'm most proud of the marriage I've built, my newborn son, and the home my husband and I are creating for him. And my biggest ambition is to be able to provide a happy life for him and his future siblings and to ensure that they are raised well to be good human beings and to instill in them the beautiful values of my culture, my religion, my homeland. Wow, that's beautiful and powerful. I think we quite mentioned like all the, the topics we wanted to address in that uh, episode, but I wanted to let you maybe uh, give you the floor to share a last message uh, you want to deliver to the audience. Um, like I have a very small thing to say, like no matter what title or position we may be privileged to hold, it is what we do that defines who we are. And it's how we treat others, uh, what values we embrace, what examples we set for our children um, each of us must decide what kind of person we want to be, what kind of legacy we want to pass on. And it's not what we have, it's what we give. One must embrace the gift and grace of open minds and open hearts. In my faith, we, we constantly ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to show us the right way, like al-mustaqim, which is translated literally to guide us to the straight path. In one day of prayer, Muslims ask Allah to guide us the righteous our straight path at least 17 times which of course is to admit 17 times every day that we need help finding it. The take home message for me is about the power of we, a message of hope in a world 
too often divided between us, them. Let us work together to extend that community of purpose to all women joined in common values and common cause. Beautiful. Slava? So I guess my message would be don't lose who you are nor forget your roots through the immigration process. Stay in touch with your support system back home. Today, we are globally connected with our digital devices, and it's much easier to stay in touch with your home world. Don't put too much pressure on yourself trying to be one way or the other. Instead, be a hybrid version of both worlds. Rethink your values and your beliefs every couple of years. Choose values and beliefs that will serve you well through your immigration journey. And finally, remember, you have a choice and exercising your right to choose, in my opinion, is the ultimate freedom. I want to say a big thank you for both of you. It was a true pleasure having this conversation together and get to know your stories. I would also like to express our gratitude to our listeners. Your support and engagement mean the world to us. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing, leaving a review, or sharing it with your friends. Your feedback keeps us going. I also have a small request. If you are an Arab woman and you want to share your own story, your challenges, the success through our platform, you can DM me on the podcast Instagram page, she.is.in.control. I will share also in the episode description the JW Instagram page so you can follow this amazing project. Looking forward to meeting you next Sunday to share with you another inspiring story which I hope you will like. See you next week!